the one thing that COVID has probably done to us all is it's sort of combined that macro life that we live in that we often haven't paid enough attention to our micro lives and the two have collided and often i found you know employees coming to work almost needing work to be a sanctuary i mean i've often joked that being a ceo stands no longer for the the three words it used to stand for but more chief emotional officer or chief engagement officer from positive momentum This is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached the very pinnacle of their organisation. I'm Simon Cooper, a partner at Positive Momentum, and my guest today is Kirsty Donnelly. Kirsty is the CEO of City & Guilds, one of the most well-known business brands. City & Guilds design and deliver training and development across the world, for people of all ages, from hairdressers to sales directors. They're also critical to guiding and shaping the UK's agenda on apprenticeships and further education. The organisation has grown both through acquisition and organically, becoming one of the strongest development brands across the world. As ever, I started out by asking Kirsty why she became a CEO. Wow, yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? It's not something, I was reflecting on this with a colleague earlier on the week, and I don't think it's something I ever planned. I mean, I suppose I always felt that I had in me some innate leadership skills, and certainly I've been fortunate that all the roles I've held leading up to, uh, you know, to the current one, I've always been in positions where I've been able to lead and follow, uh, which I think is an important part of leadership, actually it's always felt like sort of such an important part of of who I am. So I suppose ultimately, I guess, being the CEO of an organisation like City and Gills is supposed for me the pinnacle of of, of my career in the respect to, I think I've been in the sort of skills, broader skills, learning tech, education sector now for 33 years. So to be running an organisation, leading an organisation like City and Gills, despite the fact of becoming the CEO only a week before COVID hit, that's always a... (laughs) Was always an interesting uh, angle uh, to to have uh, lived through. Um, yeah, it, it, it does feel like it's been a natural journey, but I didn't sit back 33 years ago and plan it. I just knew that I wanted to be in roles where I could make a difference and 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 do my best to to to, to lead and be a be a good leader. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right. Not many of us started 33 years ago having a clue uh, where where we'd be, did we? I mean, it's an interesting transition, of course, isn't it? Once you become that sort of formal CEO. So over the last yeah, 18 months or so, I suppose, what, what have you thought about in terms of the parts of your day which are sacrosanct, those, those that must be preserved at, at all costs? Do you have any of those and what are they? Yeah, no, so it's a good, good, good point, really. I mean, I suppose one of the things that I've tried to continue to, to do with time in the week, in the day, is still create some space for reflection. It's been difficult. It has been really difficult. And that reflection isn't always just with myself. It's with others as well. I mean, I do think feedback and peer review, peer feedback, I think that's a very important part of modern day leadership, actually, these days. I mean, everyone could be leaders. You know, that is the great thing about leadership. It's just, you know, it isn't just about the hierarchy or the level, but it's about how and what you're doing that has impact. So giving myself time and space to keep, thinking and reflecting about that and how well I and the organisation are doing it, that it has been important through this period. I'm not sure how good I've been at 
really holding true to that because of the sheer velocity yeah. of what I think any of us have faced, but particularly as a leader, as a CEO during this last 18 months. So it's more what I would probably say to, to that question more honestly, Simon, is as I look ahead, what is it that I'm going to do to try yeah. and start to change the rhythm of how I've had to lead through this 18-month period, which has hopefully, you know, set us up well. What needs to change as I think about the old phrase, what got us here won't get us there. So what is it yeah. that I need yeah. to think about doing differently in order to go on the next leg of the summit that we've got to climb? Yeah. And, and do you have any thoughts about what those might be? Yeah, I mean, you know, outside of the sort of what you might call the functional things that one has yeah. to do as a CEO, managing the organisation and, and, and your stakeholders, et cetera, et cetera, and strategy. It is about that really, that time to really think hard about our purpose. We're very lucky. We have a very strong purpose as an organisation. It's almost like the golden thread that connects everything we do to our customers and internally to each other. But, but it doesn't mean to say you can stand still. So, and in a market that we're in, uh, it's very fast moving. And, and so I think that that constant time and space to continually be looking at what is happening in the market, what much more focus on customers. I'd like to spend much more time talking with customers not specifically trying to find out, you know, sell them something or, but just to genuinely work harder to find out what is the problem they may be hiring us for to help them fix. So spending more time on that. And I, and I guess the other angle to that would be culture. You know, it's something that I felt very strongly about when I came into the role. I felt that we needed to do more around our culture and creating an environment of belonging. And that was even before COVID hit. So even then when COVID hit, Black Lives Matter, all those other really quite seminal moments, I think, for the world. I think all of that has kind of created uh, an opportunity, I think, for leaders to have to think differently about the responsibility of what it means to be a yeah. leader today. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, so if you think about this period, what's been the most challenging sort of situation, I suppose, over the last 18 months? Is it COVID or something else? And, and actually, what did you take out of it? What did you learn from it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, it has been COVID. Look, I, I, yeah. I, 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 it just has because uh, it could not be. I mean, I remember literally, I mean, we all woke up to the reality of the lockdown, but I think we, some of us were already waking up to the reality even before we knew about the lockdown. Something was happening here that was yeah. going to be quite significant. So to wake up and then see, you know, literally, you know, uh, your revenue fall off a cliff, your costs yeah. are static, you, you know, to have to deal, you know, 1,400 people need to be mobilised completely offline. Um, you know, you still want to keep your employees safe but and have to, but you also want to keep yourself open for business. So all those challenges hit literally within a 24-hour period. And so I was immensely proud at how we mobilised and how quickly we responded to that. I mean, literally within within less than two weeks, we had mobilized 1,400 people internationally to work offline. We had started to think very quickly and talk to customers about how we could keep open to support them to stay open through through different means and, and, and how we would operate our train delivery business. And, that's, and that has seen us uh, through this very difficult period tremendously well. There were three behaviors or mindsets that sort of came to me really that I started to use very quickly with them the organization very early on and they were resilience grit and compassion and I think those mindsets behaviors however you want to frame them that's something that I really feel that you know uh, has helped 
drive us through what has been an immensely difficult period, but one I'm really proud of to say that we are coming out of fighting much stronger. And actually we're now in a period, not just of looking at recovery, but looking at growth. So that was resilience, grit, and compassion. And compassion, because I think you need, you kind of need yeah. the, the combination of the three. Yeah. And, you, and sometimes you're driving more on your, your resilience and your grit, and then you need to, you know, a heavy dose of compassion, not just for yeah. your immediate environment and your own workplace and colleagues, but also for wider society as well. Because I think the one thing that COVID has probably done to us all is, is it's it's sort of combined that macro life that we live in that we often haven't paid enough attention to our micro lives and the two have collided and often I found you know employees coming to work almost needing work to be a a sanctuary I mean I've often joked that being a CEO stands no longer for the the three words it used to stand stand for but more chief emotional officer or chief engagement officer how do you provide that sanctuary when the world around you is going bonkers it's quite a tall ask really because you can't fix all of the all of the problems that people are having to face in the outside of work lives. Yeah, love it. Brilliant. I think that's, that's really insightful. So if that's what the experience has been, certainly most recently, if you sort of then open the mind a bit and think a bit further back, who, who are the people that's sort of most influenced the way you now lead? Yeah, it's always, a, I, I always wish, you know, when you get asked questions like that, you come out with that. Yeah, one name that we all hang on to. And of course, some great names we could all use are fantastic leaders, books we've read. But I suppose when when it comes down to it, I've been kind of really influenced by just some really good leaders who I've had the opportunity to work with throughout my career. Like I say, 33 years ago, someone saw something in me, gave me that first break. and, 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 you know, from that, those green shoots... You you, yeah. you you start to evolve. I think probably at a very personal level, my dad, um, he was a big influence on me, his own career, the, his way that he seemed to be very authentic in, in how he combined his work, home life. I never knew that at the time, of course, but as I look no. back, I realised some of that was infiltrating into me, watching, watching him operate. But I guess I've just been lucky where I've had some pretty good leaders uh, yeah. along the way who I've also had a couple of ones that I wouldn't wish, wish to repeat and I've, you know but but in many respects they've also been I look at that now and think no that's very powerful learning because holding yeah. that mirror up to yourself and looking yeah. at some of those leadership traits you would never want to be I think that's also been part of the the lessons learned as well yeah. uh, that's, that's very astute I think you're right we we learn as much from those experiences as we do from the ones that uh, that are just fabulous but one of the challenges that many of our listeners have is obviously is they're, they're running their organisation, the, the key tool, the key asset they have is their executive team. Mm. You know, so people sat at the table around them and, and responsible for all the different functions. What, what have you learned, you think, what's the secret for you to building an effective executive team? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that probably has been, if I can, you know, without in any way wanting to sound... Uh, Smug or arrogant, that's the last thing I'd want to ever be. Um, I think that's the one thing that has helped us be so successful as we've come through this period. The energy, literally energy, engagement, effort, connectivity that I and the exec team have put in together. I mean, already even before COVID, funny enough, one of the things I did just as I was appointed CEO was we went off to actually, we, we had a house, we went off to have a retreat and really talked about what often um, I refer to as the Ubuntu 
way of thinking about ourselves. I am because you are. It's an African expression. Often you've probably heard of it and your listeners will have heard of it. I think people like Desmond Tutu and, and other great people have used it as a, as a really good way of recognising that collective endeavour. The fact that, we, you know, I am because you are. And I don't want to sound all woo-woo about that. There's a hell of a lot of neuroscience behind how as leaders, how we connect, how we collaborate, if we can create that collective endeavor. So I think I'd already started to spend quite a lot of time working on that with the team, um, putting a bit of the feeling compass back into what was already a high performing executive, but but how do you actually combine combine high performance with also that feeling compass? And so I feel that bizarrely, even though we've spent the last 18 months or until quite recently, we have been able to get more and more together in person, because we've been on Zoom so much together in teams, we spent so much time together. It's just yeah. created this really great knitted connectivity. So um, we've probably had some of the most challenging conversations than we've ever, ever had to have as an executive, so much so that we're now looking up and ahead, as I say, at this growth strategy where, you know, I'm able to start to talk to the exec with them in the room about, you know, what that might mean for them and where does all that fit within and, and that for me is a really great symbol of how far yeah. we've come yeah and that's a, yeah that's a brilliant marker isn't it that the fact that you can have those relationships those conversations openly yeah fabulous so if you think about i mean you, you moved us there into the you know the growth plan for the organization and where it's heading so as you think about the future of your organization and and where it's heading and, and obviously although people know the brand they won't necessarily understand the business too well um, what's the biggest change in, on your horizon that, that, that you're sort of dealing with and, and how are you approaching it? Yeah, I mean, well, the great thing about City and Guilds and what we do, and, and, and as I said earlier on, we're a very purpose-led organisation. Everything we do is about helping the skills and economy and productivity of people and business. I mean, at its very, very grassroots yeah. level, we talk about it, about helping people get into the first job on the job and beyond to the next job. And the simplicity yeah. of that, I think, says it all. Because for me, we're now living in a world where... Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to repeat a mantra that was said many, many, many decades ago by a former prime minister. Instead of being education, 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 it's all about skills, 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 because I yeah. think it is. I mean, we're going to have to rebuild our economy. We already had a, a, an issue pre-COVID around skills, skill shortages, all the macro trends around AI, technology, uh, the fast pace in which skills are changing, older workforces. COVID's just come and overlaid a deeper complexity to that. But with it, that comes opportunity. And there's a great opportunity for us to now really talk skills and the importance of skills as we help people transition from one industry that's maybe been decimated through COVID or yeah. changed into the new industry. So there's a fantastic sweet spot there for us as an organisation with our purpose, with our pedigree in mm. skills and education to, to rethink the language of skills actually and how we might deliver that in a new world of of digital enablement yeah that makes a lot of sense and, and will resonate i think with everyone everyone listening to this i think we all recognize those symptoms so look i mean we, we'll come to a close so let me just finish off with a, a little quick fire question which is what are three quick bits of advice for anyone aspiring to become a ceo well, I suppose, I mean, you know, be bold and, and be bold and be willing to be vulnerable at the same time. I think, you know, it's quite yeah. interesting to use those two words together. They don't often seem like comfortable bedfellows, but they really are. I think it goes back to that resilience, grit, compassion. I think be your authentic self. 
be willing to make some quite bold decisions, but be vulnerable. So many people turn up to work. I mean, we did this thing called the Lived Experience Project earlier on last year, which was about us trying to get at the sense of belonging. How do people feel like they belong? Yeah. And it struck me how important it is as a leader and as a leader as a belonging. So I think have your narrative around how you're going to do that in, in what, uh, whatever environment it is you want to be a CEO in, which is about showing up in your true authentic yeah. self and at the same time being quite bold about your vision about where you want to take an organization it's going to differ for different people isn't it in terms of yeah. What, yeah. what they might need to do but if you really believe that you know i mean I think so many people become a ceo because they think that's what they should become i mean i genuinely mean right. it if, if, if i hadn't become one it would not stop me still leading and making a difference and having an impact wherever I found myself. So I think you need to be clear about what's your reason for wanting to become a CEO, you know, and I don't think it should be just about having the label uh, of CEO attached to your name. It should be because you really do believe there is something that you can do to make that difference for whatever organization it might be that is lucky enough to have you be their CEO. Brilliant. Oh, that's a great way to finish because I think you're right that being clear about what you want will help you turn up and be authentic. And, and I've got to say, as someone who is one of the most authentic leaders I've ever met, Kirsty, that was fabulous advice. So look, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always. Kirsty Donnelly, CEO of City and Girls, thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you, Simon. Lovely to be with you. Well, there you have it. Massive thanks to Kirsty, the CEO of City and Guilds. And uh, what a really interesting conversation. I, I'm sure many of you have heard the phrase Chief Engagement Officer before, which I do think is, is a compelling idea for an organisation. And in her role, I love her phrase, she wanted to add the feeling compass to her exec team. I think that's a great, great language, great idea, and a really important principle in particular in these times. It was interesting, wasn't it, her reflection on the sort of COVID period and how it had needed to bring in both balance, grit and compassion into her organisation and her leadership team and her own style. And uh, it was a really, a really important learning period for her. And like all of us, especially those of you who are chief executives, the big challenges around time, where to put my time, where to put my effort and reflection time for reflection how do i find the uh, opportunity to step back and, and it was interesting to hear that she's on that journey to to really set ourselves the goal of making a lot more time for strategy for customers for culture for targeted reflection and thinking and work in those areas thank you again kirsty kirsty donnelly chief executive officer of city and guilds thank you for listening there's plenty more here to listen to dip your toe in enjoy the water and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon with another meet the ceo